If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. wonder why some believers are able to weather any storm while others are blown away by the slightest wind? Often, the difference is diligence. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at this important but often misunderstood term. From the series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Stay Challenged. You know, I remember uh, asking our people one time when I was preaching if they knew what it meant to be half-hearted. And I used the illustration of the way I used to make my bed when I was growing up. My mother used to make us make our bed, and I hated that. And oftentimes, I'd just go in and kind of throw the covers together and head the pillow in the right direction of the bed and leave. And my mom didn't like that very much. And uh, she told me that was a very bad habit for me to get into. Instead of doing it with the best that I could, even though it was an unhappy task, and I kind of learned that, that uh, you, you need to be diligent in what you do. Don't do things halfway. Do them with all your heart. And that's what we're talking about as we talk about what it means to stay challenged. Hey, I want to tell you about this book. Uh, we're about halfway through the month, and a lot of folks have already ordered this. And I'm excited to see this book go out across the nation and around the world because I know it will encourage a lot of people. It's called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope and Uncertain Times. What you're hearing on the radio every day is from this book. This book has all the information you're getting as you listen and more. And it has all the footnotes, all the illustrations, all of the exhortations and applications in a written format. It's a wonderful way to keep this truth organized and available to you as you walk through life. You can get a copy of this book in a very simple way. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of April. Just ask the Lord what He wants you to do. Do your best. And whatever it is, ask for the book, and we'll send it to you. We think it will be a blessing to you, and we're delighted to make it available. So let's get started now with part two of Staying Challenged, and we're talking about diligence. Do you know what virtue is? Virtue is courage. This is the New Testament word for moral goodness. Having the courage to do the right thing no matter what the circumstances might dictate. People with strong integrity are consistent from one situation to another. They act from their moral base rather than from consensus or popular opinion. This kind of virtue develops as we become diligent in the Word of God and begin to show the mind of Christ in our actions. Peter says, add to your faith virtue, and then he says, and add to your virtue knowledge. This one means exactly what it says. It means we're to continue growing in the knowledge of God's Word. In fact, the word knowledge is found five times in the first chapter of Second Peter. What we need is knowledge that's anchored in the truth, and we have it in the Scriptures. It only remains for us to extract that knowledge 
and make it part of all that we do. And then he says, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge, and then thirdly, add to your knowledge self-control. Now, I have to tell you, everybody take a deep breath. We all don't like this word, self-control. We're okay with gaining knowledge. We can deal with moral virtue, but self-control. This concept is a tough one. Yet if you study the Bible, you know it shows up a lot. It's in many of the key lists of the New Testament, self-control. Whatever else it does, it speaks to us about the fact that we have choices. We can choose what we do, what we say, what we think. And this is about, and here's another unpleasant word, if you will, this is about discipline. Anything worth achieving in life is going to come because of personal discipline and self-control. You exercise that discipline in your own personal life. Let's face it, by rising up from bed to attend church when you're a little sleepy, by getting up early so you can read the word of God before you go to work, it's self-discipline. And then Peter says, add to self-control perseverance. It sounds similar, but perseverance is a glorified synonym for patience. It means to voluntarily and continually endure difficulties and hardship for the sake of honor. Perseverance is silencing your body when it begins to complain. (laughs) Perseverance is forcing yourself awake to study the Bible in the morning when you know you could use another 15 minutes of sleep. Perseverance is the trademark of every champion you have ever met. Now notice, to perseverance add godliness. Godliness is a word that means to have reverence and respect for God. We need real godliness all the time, but it is especially necessary in chaotic days like the ones we are currently experiencing. And when I say godliness, I'm not talking about the everyday kind of -of run-of-the-mill pattern that passes for godliness sometimes. Today, we seem to be presenting our concept of God in a more casual, user-friendly way, and I see some dangers there. We want unbelievers to see a positive faith, and that's good, We want them to see a God of love instead of one who is relentlessly angry, and that too is good. But I worry that bit by bit we're losing the concept of his holiness and his majestic infinite magnitude, yes, even his judgment of our sin. Our God is an awesome God, a glorious king, and so much more than a grandfather in heaven, which is the way so many paint him these days. I bring this up because... The godly Christian is the one who is truly humble before God. It is impossible to pursue our Lord over the years and still maintain a childish, superficial, lame concept of him. I have often thought the book of Job was about Job, and I've discovered the book of Job is about God. It's about God who is great, God who is just. While that is being debated by those who would uh, criticize Job and accuse him, The message is very clear as you read through the book that the real key to understanding the book of Job is that God is a transcendent God. I think some 15 times in the book he's called the Almighty. We need that concept of God today in our culture. We need to stop and quit being frivolous as we talk about the one who is our creator and is the giver of life to us all. That's what it means to be godly. It means to have a reverence for the God we serve. And then finally, and I'm going to add these two together because they're very similar. Add to your godliness brotherly kindness and love. 
Second Peter 1.7 says, To godliness we are to add brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness we are to add love. Does it seem strange to you that we first add self-control, which is tough, and then perseverance, which is a little harder, then we become godly, which is an ultimate goal of life, and then we add, of all things, brotherly kindness. Seems kind of soft. It maybe shouldn't be in the list. It's almost like a step backwards, something rather mundane compared to godliness. And yet hear me carefully today, friends. It is through our brotherly love and our kindness and our godliness all packaged up together that we are set apart as believers. When we practice brotherly kindness and love, we are different than the people around us, and especially is that true now. I've noticed that as I look around in the culture today, as we're going through these chaotic times, there's a lot of selfishness that's pride in the lives of people. They pride themselves on, I'm going to take care of mine and my own, and there's no looking around for the needs of others. That's exactly opposite from what we are instructed to do in this book we call the Bible. We are to diligently add to our faith virtue, and at the end of our virtue is godliness and brotherly kindness and love. We're to be people who are known by the way we care about others. So that is how Peter tells us this is to be lived out. That is the priorities of our diligence. How do those things fall into your life and mine? Where do we, if we take that list and just kind of write it down and examine how we live our life, where do those things fall? Is our life characterized by any of these virtues? Are we growing in the ability to apply these truths to our lives? What is the key to it? It is the key, diligence. It doesn't happen by itself. That's one of the great errors of so much Christian teaching today, that you can become a strong, faith-filled Christian and not have to do anything to get there. You can't do anything to get your faith, but you do everything to develop that faith as you follow Jesus Christ. Well, let me come to the end of this discussion and make a couple of practical applications that are really important. I want to talk with you about the possibilities of diligence in your life. Peter offers us some pictures of what will happen if we determine by the grace of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be diligent in the way we live life. Here are three things that will happen to you if you do it. First of all, in 2 Peter 1.8 we read, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, if you allow yourself to embrace the diligent life, you will have stability in the way you live. Peter wants us to know that if we pursue God and focus on these qualities, we will begin to see them come together in our lives. Character is the result of persistent action, and a pattern of diligence will lead to stability. One by one, as we focus on a diligent Christian life, old and unhelpful habits will fall away, and new and profitable habits will grow. You'll simply find that some things in your life that you've done historically you don't want to do anymore because the Spirit of God has provided something for you that is far more satisfying in your life you'll discover that you're more resistant to the ups and downs of the world that troubles so many people. There will be a kind of evenness that develops in your life because you have mined the truth of God. None of it comes easily. If it did, we would see stable and fruitful lives all around us, and the church would be filled with super saints. 
But if you will be diligent in these days when you are tested, God will give you some spiritual muscles that will grow on your spiritual frame and you will discover a kind of inner strength that will take you through things you never believed you could endure and give you the opportunity to help others along the way. You will have stability in your Christian life. Secondly, you will have vitality in your Christian life. Vitality is defined as abundant mental and physical energy. It's what people tend to lose when they leave their youth behind. It's the ability to spring out of bed in the morning and greet the new day. It's the ability to embrace change and not fear it. So many other signs of a lively heart. If you study the mature saints that you know, if you watch their lives, you will see that vitality, even deep into their golden years, is evident. There's some quality about them that remains forever young. Wouldn't you love to grow with a grace like that? These qualities lived out diligently will make that happen. You will have stability in your Christian life and you will have vitality in your Christian life. And then thirdly, you will have reality in your Christian life. Stability, vitality, and reality. Peter tells us that we will have true reality in our lives when we put diligence into the equation. Peter says that we will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. That means we will know his truth deeply and it will bear real fruit all around us. We'll be involved in the real world, connecting the truth of the gospel to the needs of the people that we see. Some people believe that faith is some kind of fantasy world where we escape the problems of the day. But Peter says when we have diligence in developing our walk with Christ, we will become more real than we've ever been before. We won't be escape artists. We will be embrace artists. We will embrace the problems of the world and bring the presence of Jesus right into the center of them, which is something we all dream about if we're true Christians. So there are three things that will happen to you if you determine to make diligence a part of your life. Let me give you three things that will happen to you if you don't. This is no easy in and out message. You don't just come and say, well, I think I'll do that. And if I don't do that, I'll still be the same. No, having heard these words, you cannot be the same because the Bible tells us that if you embrace diligence in your walk with Christ, here are some things that will happen. And in the same passage, he tells us that if we refuse to take the challenge and live our lives challenged by God's word, there are certain things we can expect to happen. Number one, we will lack spiritual power. Verse 9 of 2 Peter 1 says, for he who lacks these things. Peter speaks of life for those who lack the list he has just given. And he says, there are millions of people who profess to be Christians and they manage to avoid going after virtue. They manage to avoid going after knowledge and self-control. And you have a reunion with them after 30 years and what you discover is they haven't changed at all. They're at the same level of spiritual immaturity as they were when you first knew them as Christians. There's a wonderful little story about a little boy who fell out of bed during the night and he told his mother when she asked him what happened, he said, I think I went to sleep too close to where I got in. That's what happens to too many of the children of God. They remain children by dozing off at the very entry point of their faith. They don't learn to pray through a trial. They can't minister to others because they're still trying to work out the things in their own life. They have no idea how to grow in grace and the voice of the Holy Spirit is so still, so small that they can't even hear it above all of the culture's clamor. 
They lack spiritual power. Without diligence, you can be sure of it. You can write it down. Without a diligent walk with Christ, you will end up powerless in your life as a Christian. Number two, you will lack spiritual perception. Interesting, 2 Peter 1.9 says they will be short-sighted even to blindness. Peter speaks of the immature Christian as so short-sighted that it's like he's blind. We live in an era in which keen eyes are essential spiritual equipment, and you realize what kind of sight I'm talking about. We have to be able to see truth as if looking through the eyes of God. There are so many things that swirl around us every day, so many different ways that we can be taken away from the path. We need to have discernment. We need to be able to see things as they really are. And the Bible says that when a person no longer has diligence, especially in the word of God, he loses his perception. He becomes an easy target for all of the false doctrines that flow around us in the world today as we read the headlines and consider our own business and housing decisions and we try to figure out what to do, we need to pray, but we need to read the word of God and we need the strength that comes through a diligent walk with Jesus Christ. So if you decide you are not going to live a diligent life, you're just happy where you are and thank you very much, Pastor. I wish I hadn't listened to this message. If that's where you are, if you think, okay, I can just be happy where I am, I'm telling you where you're going. First of all, you will lack spiritual power and you will lose your sense of perception about life. And here's the third one. You will lose your spiritual privilege. You will never lose your salvation, but you can lose the joy of it. You can lose the sense of God's presence in your life. Listen to 2 Peter 1.9. And I'm gonna read it and I want you to listen to it and I want you to understand it means exactly what it says. Here's what Peter said. And in that moment, when you have no longer diligently followed Christ, you will have forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. Let me read that again. You will have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your old sins. The non-diligent believer will eventually come to the place where he even forgets the sins from which he was cleansed. These sins, of course, were those committed before he was saved. Can you imagine experiencing the miracle of salvation, the cleansing of the blood of Christ, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the joy of Christian fellowship, only to forget that that ever happened? Do you know that you can get so far away from God as a Christian, so far away from the instruction of his word, so lacking in diligence, so lacking in strenuous and lavish pursuit of the things of God? that you wake up one day and you can hardly find any evidence in your own life. And then you come along and you say to the pastor, pastor, I don't know what's going on. I, am I really saved? How can I be sure? This is why as a Christian, you want to develop a passionate, focused, diligent life growing in the traits that Peter mentions. Everything we could possibly need to be difference makers in this world once again has been given to us. We don't need any more information. We don't need another revelation. We have it all. God has given it to us in between the covers of this book. Now it's up to us to take what we have been given and give it back to God in the life of diligence that will bring honor to his name and strength to our lives. I've talked with you today about the purpose of diligence and the prerequisite of it, the principles of it, the priorities of it, the possibilities of it, and I want to finish with the promise of it. Have you got your Bible still open? Look down at 2 Peter 1, verse 10. Here's what it says. 
If you do these things, you will never stumble. Say that again. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Peter gives us this promise that if we will follow a life of diligence, we won't be cast away. We won't be lost on the side of the highway. Today, as a pastor, there's hardly a week goes by that I don't hear of some spiritual tragedy. I met with some folks this week who are going through a spiritual tragedy where someone has lost their way. They have stumbled in their walk. Friends, you don't want to be there. You don't want the remorse and the sadness of a stumbling Christian life. And Peter says, here's the way you get past it. Here's the promise of God. If you will diligently apply your heart to the word of God and to the principles of the word, you can go through life and you won't have to stumble along the way. And it says in 2 Peter 1.11, you will be given an entrance into heaven that is abundant. I remember studying this some years ago and realizing that Peter was using a nautical phrase here. He's given an illustration from the world of the lake, from the world of the sea, from the world of boats, from the nautical world. He says, if you will live your life with diligence, when it comes time for you to go to heaven, you will enter into the everlasting kingdom in an abundance. Now, let me see if I can get that through to us before we close our Bibles today. This is actually this picture, that heaven has a harbor, and as we sail Godward toward that harbor, moving through the storms and the rocks that lurk in the waves, some ships barely make it into the port. Some ships get to heaven, the crew's exhausted, there's almost mutiny, the rigging's torn, supplies are low, the ship has sprung leaks. It's not exactly like a hail the conquering hero entrance into heaven. Peter says, you don't want to go to heaven that way, and you don't have to go to heaven that way. Peter is telling us that diligent believers are like diligent captains and sailors. They sail with discipline, manning the watchtower, maintaining the ship, keeping the morale high among the crew. It's a picture of the well-lived Christian life. The storms will come, but God has given us what we need to come through all of them all the stronger. In other words, it isn't about just going to heaven. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, your name is on the crew list by order of the captain. What is at issue is the quality of your journey. Think about the sailors of old and the life they led on the sea, the confinement of a small ship and the dangers of storm and stone and shipwreck and the hard life of the open sea required absolute discipline unquestioned diligence, and particularly an unquestioning obedience to the captain, no matter how desperate the voyage became. So Christians, let me encourage you with these words. As we see the world around us disintegrating and sometimes the deconstructing of our own nation, there has never been a time for us to take up the call to diligence that we have been given in the word of God to live our lives for Christ with strenuous activity and lavish involvement and self-control. And we will discover in the process that it not only will prepare us for where we are heading, but it will help us on the way there. May God bless you and us as we take this challenge from Almighty God. Amen. Well, um, tomorrow... We're going to talk about something. Again, I can't imagine uh, how this could have 
been placed any more prominently in this series for where we are because our message tomorrow is stay connected. And um, it's about going to church. (laughs) Friends, that's something we should not have to talk too much about. And we didn't used to have to talk too much about it. But now that people have gotten used to not going to church, we're going to have to we're going to have to talk about it a little bit because um, the Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together tomorrow and the next day, Thursday and Friday, what the Bible says about going to church. So if you've been kind of wondering, do I go back? Do I get back involved? Or is it okay for me just to hang loose on the perimeter here and watch the stuff that's online? You don't want to miss these next two days. I think it will help you get back in gear where you need to be and where in your own heart you really want to be. So starting tomorrow here on Turning Point, stay connected. This series is called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope and Uncertain Times. And obviously the church is a big part of that. It's pretty hard to make it in the world today if you don't have the strength of a fellowship, a local church that you're committed to and is committed to you. Hey, don't forget to order the book that's behind all of this. It's the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope, and in Uncertain Time. The book is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of April. We need your help. We need you to stand with us. If everybody does what they can do, we can keep rolling this message out around the world. And we want to add value to your life when you do it. So thank you for giving us the privilege. Ask for your copy today. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Is Turning Point making a difference in your life? Share your story by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and live with certainty in these uncertain times. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus lived about 500 years before Christ. He made this observation about opportunities in life. 
You cannot step twice into the same river, he said, for other waters are continually flowing on. Palenka River, life is constantly moving forward. The opportunity that presents itself today may be gone tomorrow. That doesn't mean every opportunity is wise, but it does mean that when opportunities appear, our first prayer should be, Lord, is this from you? Give me faith to step out or faith to stay put. Proverbs says that if we will acknowledge God in all our ways, He will direct our path. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's opportunities on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.